0: The Nugent Report, the science behind health and nutrition. Welcome to this episode of The Nugent Report, a definitive source for objective information on health and nutrition, featuring Dr. Steve Nugent, the renowned psychologist, author, public speaker, and expert on science, health, wellness, and nutrition. Be sure to visit our website at drnugent.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of The Nugent Report. I'm Dr. Steve Nugent. This episode is dedicated to zinc. You know, I've been getting lots of questions about zinc, and it seemed appropriate to do an entire podcast to try and answer most of those questions. This is part of what we'll be covering in this podcast. What are the benefits of zinc? What are the sources of zinc? Is it produced in the body, or do we need to consume it through an external source? How much zinc do you need? What happens if you get too much zinc? What's the latest science on the best absorbed form of zinc? Zinc is an essential mineral, and that means that the body must have it, but the body is not capable of producing it. So you must either get your zinc from food, or from food supplements. Almost all of the information that is available to the public about zinc is focused on immune function. But like most minerals, zinc has multiple important functions. Zinc is necessary for genetic expression and cellular metabolism. It's involved in cell division. It's essential for growth. In fact, it's essential for the function of more than two hundred enzymes in the body and there's much more to talk about as well the original studies on this were done by using a form of zinc called zinc gluconate now i'll come back to the types of zinc in a few minutes zinc does indeed support immune function in fact it's essential to various aspects of immune function Now, I had mentioned genetic expression, but zinc is also important to the synthesis of DNA itself. In addition, zinc is also necessary for protein synthesis. Zinc deficiency can lead to stunting of growth, dermatitis, poor healing, congenital abnormalities, and neuropsychological impairments. So, as you can see, Zinc is far more than just a mineral for immune support. What's the risk of becoming deficient in zinc? Well, in part that relates to the individual in the way you as an individual actually metabolize your zinc through specific pathways. And it's different for each of us. And it also depends on the external sources of zinc that you use each day. Remember, Your body cannot manufacture zinc by itself. It has to come from an external source. Now, as I always say, your body is designed to get nutrition from food, and all things being equal, that is typically your best way to go. There are a few minor exceptions to the rule, some of which I've discussed in podcast number 15, titled Natural, Organic, Semi-Synthetic, and Synthetics. As I've discussed in many previous podcasts, when it comes to science, it's important that we don't think in absolutes, because in most cases, if you're thinking in absolutes, you'll end up drawing the wrong conclusion. Although I always recommend that the majority of your daily diet should be vegetables, vegetables are not always your best source of every nutrient. Does it surprise you that I said that? Well, once again, the majority of your diet, by far the majority of your diet, should be vegetables. But sometimes you need to look at other sources of nutrients as well. The scientific fact is meat provides zinc in a much more bioavailable form than plant source. Some people don't want to hear that, but remember, this program is about science, not philosophy. I respect your philosophies, but that's not my purpose here. Taking in too much zinc can result in lowering your copper levels. I briefly discussed that in podcast number 12 on iron. If you listen to that podcast, you recall my discussion of the interactions between iron, copper, and zinc. Since doing that podcast, number 12 on iron... I've received a lot of questions about copper, and I may in the future do a podcast specifically dedicated to copper. For now, let's get back to zinc. Recall podcast number 13, where I discussed that more is not always better. Here's one of those examples that supports podcast number 13. If you take in too much folate, you can impair your body's ability to metabolize zinc. This sometimes happens in pregnancy with women taking extra folic acid supplements to prevent birth defects, specifically neural tube defects. The reason I did that podcast is that too often people think it's okay to take as much dietary supplement as they want because, well, after all, they're just vitamins, right? Well, as you've just heard a few moments ago, too little zinc, can result in congenital deformities of the fetus. So while a pregnant mom is taking extra folate to reduce the possibility of a congenital defect, she may be reducing her body's ability to absorb zinc, which can lead to other congenital deformities. Folks, balance is wellness, as I always say. And it's important that we avoid extremes, follow the science, Always be objective. If your physician is not aware of some of this information, please direct your physician to it. And make sure, ladies, that you always follow your doctor's orders and take your prenatal nutrition. Again, listen to my podcast on natural, synthetics, semi-synthetics, and organic. That explains to you that by taking synthetic folic acid, You're actually doing yourself and your child a big favor, so don't be afraid of it just because it's synthetic. It's not harmful, and it is effective. Again, I recommend you listen to that podcast. Sometimes the global figures can be a bit confusing, and the current scientific data does indicate that in developing countries, zinc deficiency is common. This is particularly true in countries where iron deficiency is also common. Zinc doesn't just support growth and development of the fetus. It continues to support growth and development throughout a child's life through adolescence. Your sense of taste and smell both rely on zinc. Maintaining adequate levels of zinc during a child's growth is key to developing a normal Sense of taste and smell. Let's look at some of the food sources. Now your top sources of zinc are, and I'll give you the top five, oysters, beef, crab, lobster, and pork. And at number six, you'll get beans as an excellent source. Number seven would be chicken and other poultry. A longer list of foods, of course, is posted with the transcript to this podcast, as I like to do with each of our podcasts on various nutrients. So go to drnugent.com, and you'll be able to find a longer list of foods and serving sizes providing X amount of milligrams per serving. So why are various animal proteins better sources of zinc than plant materials? Let's take cereal grains as an example. Cereal grains contain zinc. However, they also contain phytates. Phytates bind to zinc and impair your body's ability to metabolize the zinc. So, although the plant material does contain zinc, that's what you read in your references, you may not be able to metabolize it. For the vegans and vegetarians, You can look to beans, soy, and nuts. They also provide a measure of zinc. There are, of course, breakfast foods, which are labeled fortified with zinc. But I'm not confident about your ability to metabolize the zinc from those cereals. As far as dietary supplements are concerned, probably the most popular form of zinc is zinc gluconate. You can also find it in many other forms, including zinc sulfate and zinc acetate. But my favorite is zinc bisglycinate. I've talked more about the bisglycinates, what they are, and so on in previous podcasts, so you'll want to reference those. Because the original studies done on zinc and the common cold were done with zinc gluconate, It became the de facto choice of the industry and therefore is the most common uh, form found throughout the industry. However, as I always say, science marches on. With that in mind, any information I give you today is, of course, subject to change with studies in the future. But at this moment, the best absorbed and utilized form of zinc is zinc bisglycinate and that's the form I personally use. In fact, it's better absorbed than zinc gluconate by approximately 44%. My friends, that's extremely significant. Most of you, of course, have been waiting for me to talk about zinc and the immune system, I'm sure. I would venture to guess that the majority of the literature that you'll run into on the Internet will be about zinc and immune function. Of course, since you're listening to this podcast, you've already learned about many other functions of zinc. A deficiency in zinc can result in a depressed immune system. According to study, even a mild deficiency of zinc will impair the function and efficiency of natural killer cells, macrophage, and neutrophils. The activation of T-cells requires... Zinc, and scientific study has shown that immune systems functioning below required levels can be corrected through zinc supplementation. In simpler terms, if you want your immune system to function correctly as designed, you better make sure that you're maintaining adequate levels of zinc. According to scientific study, Zinc helps to maintain the integrity of skin as well as mucosal membranes. The World Health Organization recommends zinc supplementation for 10 to 14 days at 10 milligrams for infants under six months of age and at 20 milligrams per day for children older than six months who are suffering with acute diarrhea. A cautionary note for everyone listening. I am very grateful that I have listeners in countries all over the planet. However, if you live in a developed nation, ensure that you are following the directions of your pediatrician regarding your child's nutritional supplementation. The World Health Organization recommendations I just mentioned are for children in developing nations suffering from acute diarrhea i'm simply giving you information but i want you to consult your physician regarding your child's nutritional needs based on the latest science that i've read i do not feel comfortable with recommending nasal sprays with zinc there is some conflicting data concerning safety so get your zinc from food or an oral food supplement so to be clear I'm not saying that there is absolute data telling us that zinc nasal sprays are potentially a problem. In fact, some studies say they're great. Other studies offer some concerns. I'm simply saying that there is some conflicting safety data, and so at this time, I do not recommend it. It could turn out after a more human study that it's not a concern at all. But in the meantime, remember, safety first. Another incredibly important area that you may not be aware of in terms of zinc and your health is eye health. There is some solid research that suggests that zinc supplementation may delay the progression of age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. The studies also suggest that zinc may prevent vision loss under some conditions, as well as The prevention of damage to the retina. Very, very interesting scientific data. If you have concerns with your eye health, see an ophthalmologist. And if your ophthalmologist is not current on the zinc studies, make sure that you point them out. The studies are excellent. And they're referenced in the transcript for this podcast. The gift of sight is an incredibly wonderful thing, and it's important that we do everything we can to preserve it. Zinc deficiency is rare in developed countries, although statistically it's common globally. Again, that creates a point of confusion for some people. Some other symptoms that may alert you to the need for zinc include low insulin levels, slow growth, irritability, generalized but not genetic hair loss, loss of appetite, rough or dry skin, slow wound healing, diarrhea, nausea, and the loss of taste or smell. Even an alteration in your sense of taste or smell may be an indicator. So, to be clear, what I mean is that things that always had the same taste or smell to you suddenly taste or smell differently. So you still have your sense of taste or smell, but it has been altered so that it's no longer accurate. If you have any of these symptoms, talk to your physician and get the appropriate medical testing. Besides poor diet, alcoholism, kidney dysfunction, and malabsorption syndromes may also cause at least moderate deficiencies in zinc. Studies have suggested that zinc may be helpful in fighting outbreaks of the herpes virus. That of course makes perfect sense if you study the mechanism of action with zinc and various immune cells. All in all, it's a pretty impressive mineral. Women who are pregnant or breastfeeding have higher requirements for zinc And this is due to a significant need of the child. Breastfeeding can literally deplete a mother's store of zinc. So, ladies, please don't fool around with this. Make sure that you're taking the nutrition supplements required by your physician while pregnant and while breastfeeding. I'll go over some of those requirements in a few moments. Another reason to make sure that you're getting the appropriate care from your physician while breastfeeding is that generally, breast milk provides approximately 2 milligrams of zinc per day for the child. And this is fine up to the age of 6 months. But from 7 to 12 months, zinc requirements increase to approximately 3 milligrams. Your physician can assist you to make sure that you're on track with zinc supplementation for you and your child while breastfeeding. Okay, we've talked about zinc deficiency and zinc inadequacy. And remember, they're two different things. But what about taking too much zinc? There are many health risks associated with excessive uptake of zinc. Zinc toxicity can occur in both acute and in chronic forms. Too much zinc can result in some of the same symptoms as too little zinc, including nausea, loss of appetite, and diarrhea. But too much zinc can also add vomiting, abdominal cramps, and headaches to the list. Consuming between 150 milligrams and up to 450 milligrams of zinc per day have been associated with low copper status, reduced immune function, and altered iron function. Once again, I remind you to listen to my podcast number 13, titled More Is Not Always Better. Here's another cautionary note for you about zinc. Zinc has the potential of interfering with or interacting with various prescription drugs. These can include diuretics and antibiotics, If your physician prescribes one of these categories of pharmaceuticals, be sure and tell the physician that you're using a zinc supplement. In certain cases, zinc supplements can inhibit the absorption of antibiotics. A physician who's in the know will recommend that you take your antibiotics two hours before or four to six hours after zinc supplementation. In the case of Thiazide diuretics, prolonged use can deplete zinc tissue levels. Some physicians regularly monitor potassium with patients who are using diuretics, but I strongly recommend that they are also monitoring your zinc. This is important. You will find a table, along with this transcript of this podcast, posted to drnugent.com. But I'll give you a quick overview on some of these um, in terms of requirements right now. So for infants, ages 0 to 6 months, it's 2 milligrams. And by the way, this will be the same for males and females right up to the teen years. 7 to 12 months, 3 milligrams a day, 1 to 3 years, 3 milligrams a day, 4 to 8 years, 5 milligrams a day, 9 to 13 years, 8 milligrams, 14 to 18 years, here's where we get our first difference, 11 milligrams for males, 9 milligrams for females. And for 19 years and up, it's 11 milligrams for males and 8 milligrams for females. In pregnancy, it will be 12 milligrams for females between the ages of 14 and 18, and 11 milligrams for females 19 and up. For breastfeeding, it will be 13 milligrams per day between the ages of 14 and 18. And 19 years and up, it will be 12 milligrams. As I always do on these podcasts, I give you the safe upper limits. And for infants, zero to six months, it's four milligrams. Seven to 12 months, five milligrams. 1 to 3 years, 7 milligrams, 4 to 8 years, 12 milligrams, 9 to 13 years, 23 milligrams, 14 to 18 years, 34 milligrams, and 19 years and older, 40. That's four zero milligrams. In pregnancy, uh, girls who are 14 to 18, 34 milligrams, and in that age bracket who are lactating, also 34 milligrams and for 19 years and older, for pregnancy, 40 milligrams, and the same for lactating, 40 milligrams. Now, on drnugent.com, you will have a food chart, which is provided through the US government, and it gives you a list of foods and servings, and gives you a pretty good idea of some basic choices that you can make. It's, of course, not every food known to humankind But it's a a good basic starting point for you uh, as a reference. So I recommend that you go to that. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast on Zinc. Thanks for listening to the Nugent Report. And until next time, this is Dr. Steve Nugent urging you to stay safe, be sensible, and be objective. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nugent Report. Visit our website at drnugent.com for more objective facts about health and nutrition and email your questions and feedback to info at drnugent.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Stay informed. Get the facts with The Nugent Report.